When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata here. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Yeah, uh, doing, doing pretty good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just ready. It, it's one of those things where it's Christmas is around the corner. It's a short week yeah. at work. And I'm just, I'm ready for the weekend. There's a big game, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Bengals are still in the playoff race. I guess you can say the Steelers are too. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm ready for the weekend. Yeah, this, uh, this is not my favorite week, you know, because it's like just before the holiday and it feels like everything is both taking too long, but also moving really fast. Like, I'm like, oh, my God, it's six days before Christmas. And at the same time, like, oh, my God, it's only Tuesday. <laughs> right? That's how I'm feeling right now. The Cincinnati Bengals, they treated today like a Wednesday because it is a I would, it's a longer week for them because they actually have seven days uh, versus some of their short weeks, what we've, we, we've noticed over the last 12 days for them. And um, they got back to practice. I know there was a report last night, Ian Rappaport, NFL Network. He's pretty much like 90 to 95% right when he says things. Um, but it sounds like Jamar Chase could miss Saturday. He didn't practice today, but Zach Taylor did tell the media he's currently day-to-day. We are not doctors, so we can't really predict if Jamar Chase is going to be out there or not. Um, he's a different kind of cat, the way he was able to to get back um, from past injury. I want to say even last season um, was extremely impressed. So we'll see what happens. There's obviously three huge important games for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, but any thoughts on being without Jamar Chase on Saturday? We won't really give our prediction or anything or anything like that until Thursday. Uh, tough. You're down your best offensive player. Uh, I think they are doing some stuff that they can do without him. But, you know, defenses are always going to play you different with him. You're going to lose your biggest piece in terms of motion and affecting the defense with his ability to pull defenders towards him just by being out there. But they're they're getting to solid concepts that Jake Browning's able to run. So when they're getting to that, they can do that without Chase. Now, some of that is like, well, will it be there without Chase? And some of it is also, can Browning keep it up? Because we're still at the stage, I think, of especially when it comes to like the drop back stuff. This week was pretty much the first time he did a ton of drop back, drop back stuff, and it worked really well. So is that sustainable or are they just going to be able to run the ball? Who knows? I think I would have a better feeling about them running the ball if Chase was out there. And that's not about Chase's blocking. That's about defenses will probably be a little scared of, you know, like, oh, we can't allow a Jamar Chase touchdown. We saw the we saw the Jaguars game. So we can't just allow Jamar Chase to run down the field and score a touchdown. So we're going to keep a safety to his side. Well, if he's out, then you, you're not going to have to do that so much. Yeah, we'll see if he's out there. I mean, I would lean towards maybe he doesn't play versus Pittsburgh and maybe his game, just like last year, he comes back for the Kansas City Chiefs game. Um, So we'll see what happens. But like I mentioned before, three big important games for the Cincinnati Bengals. 
I know a lot of people want to talk on what's the percentage uh, if they win, who needs to lose all of that. Like that is fun. And I'll take it right now because in the middle of November, I thought the season was completely over and we were going to be talking off season and draft outlook. And I'm glad we're not. And there's a possibility that this team could play in the playoffs. But for me personally, when I look at these next three games, it's just take it one week at a time. Win, win one week, focus on the next week, the next week. The NFL is a strange league, even in the final three weeks. We'll see what happens. They're at six right now. But for me personally, I'm just – I can't think about all the scenarios. Yeah, control what you can control, basically. Of like, hey, go win the games you can win and do that. If you make the playoffs, great. But there's there's almost no point in thinking like, okay – all these teams lose and then we win as like, we'll be locked into 80% chance. It's like, wow. I feel like it doesn't happen that often. So <laughs> control what you can win the games in front of you and just kind of hope that everything else works out for you. If not, like if they win out the rest of the way, you feel, you feel good. You feel good. Like if I'd feel about as good about that situation as I do about them dropping one of these games, chiefs or Browns or Steelers, and then making the playoffs and losing the first round. I, I feel just as good if they won out and missed the playoffs. Like 10 and 7, but you didn't make it. That's fine. Yeah. That's not the end of the world. That's that's like, a, okay, well, they showed they can sure do stuff without Burrow. I think the architecture of this offense makes a lot of sense. And that should help them. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what this offense continues to do, even in 2024 when you look at the running back room. But, you know, I... I agree with that. I think, you know, just kind of the outlook over overall when you look at the roster, look, they're going to be without DJ Reader. That is so tough. But they also finished a game that I didn't know what, what it was going to look like. They were able to stop an offense on a third and one, fourth and one at the biggest moment in the game without DJ Reader. And I thought it just that was absolutely huge. Obviously, you want Jamar Chase out there, but these are opportunities for your wide receiver and T Higgins, who. Look, we do not know what his future looks like in Cincinnati. Could it be a franchise tag? Could it be a franchise tag and trade? Will he get signed to an extension? Will they let him walk? We do not know, but this is his opportunity on what has been an up-and-down season and not really due to T. Higgins. I mean, I know there's some drops, injury, stuff that's out of his control, but last week was his game, and he can continue to do that in this moment. And this team, if you think about it, over the last two years – I know since Joe, Joe Burrow isn't out there, but they've had other guys have they needed to step up. Trent Irwin, a name that we haven't heard in a while, could be a guy that has to step up. It looks like Yoshi, who they involved in Charlie Jones in the offense last week. Those are guys that I'm looking to step up, and they could be their name, their number could be called next year if T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd aren't in the wide receiver room. So, you know, this is an opportunity for other guys on this team, and that's what I'm gonna look for on Saturday if Jamar Chase can't go. When you when you had a chance to go look back on, we'll start with Jake Browning, that game for him. We had said right after the podcast, it kind of felt, for me personally, felt a little sloppy for about three quarters, maybe two and a half. Yeah. And uh, he was able to light it up and, and win the game and, and throw really important throws. Obviously, the one to Jamar Chase, um, the T against touchdowns, and you know the offense was, was able to pull it out. But overall, what did you think of Jake Browning? I was a little bit less critical of him in the first three quarters when I rewatched. And mm -hmm. I think he got let down quite a bit where he, uh, he wasn't perfect. Like he made some mistakes, but oh my goodness. Uh, in terms of Joe Mixon pass protection was, that was a roller coaster of, it was kind of the definition of him as a pass protector where I think some people even showed some highlights like, yeah, he, he, 
He went and made that block. It's like, great. When he sees the guy and he knows what he has to do, he can block. It is not a will problem. It is not a desire problem. It is strictly a processing problem. And he got Browning smoked on multiple plays. Think of the big throw to Chase down the right sideline in the start of the game. The reason he gets smoked is because Mixon doesn't go to the right guy. They ran what's called a cross dog, so a linebacker is going to run in front to the left, and the other one's going to loop around him and come down the middle. Mixon's guy was technically the one that went front to the left, but because he's doing that, Karras takes him, and then Karras is like, okay, Mixon, you've got to take the other one. And Mixon just goes like, all right, my guy's taken care of and just left. (laughs) So there's a linebacker running right at Browning. And then there's another play where he's kind of stepping up to go take on, I think it was, uh, it doesn't matter, linebacker. And I guess didn't see him blitz because he then releases and the linebacker is just kind of like, okay, (laughs) goes and hits Browning. It's like, those are not ideal. And it's a very difficult defense. It is a defense that stresses your pass protection a ton. And I don't think there's another defense out there that does this, but that was one of the big examples of like, oh man, he kind of got let down. And then you could think of the big play that Jones, and I think the more longer and longer that is sat, that is more on Jones than it is Browning, like much more on Jones than it is on Browning for slowing down. And think of the T Higgins big plays that just didn't work out the drop. And then the other one that was kind of a drop uh, (laughs) hit the, hit the ground. He kind of controlled it kind of didn't, uh, but, you know, if you want to count them both as drops, you can. So the two big Higgins plays that weren't, the big Charlie Jones play that wasn't, it felt like there was quite a bit of letdown around him. And then, of course, he also made some mistakes, the big one being the, you know, his feet and his body. It was definitely one of those, like, my mind is telling me no <laughs> on that interception because he kind of, like, his feet are like, that's not open. Let's move to the next read. But you see his entire upper body stare like, I kind of want to throw it. <laughs> it's like, no, let's not do that. And then he throws it. It's like, well, interception. Okay. Well, in the, in the defense, as you mentioned, I think we talked about that. And that was kind of my fear. What's it going to look like for Jake Browning in this game against a really difficult defense? Probably the toughest defense that he's had to face. Um, and look, it, it, it'll still be tough when they play Pittsburgh. And they obviously struggled in that game. And it was his first start out there and they lost. But when you look at this defense and the challenge, you went back and you watched and you said, oh, you're not as critical on Jake Browning. How do you feel about Jake Browning right now after his four starts? I feel good, especially of him as a backup. And what I think of him right now is high-level backup, which is surprising. If you watch him in the preseason, you heard all the reports in training camp, and you know that he's been cut quite a few times. Yeah. I mean, I think this guy's just a gamer in terms of, like, the practice stuff, the preseason stuff. Maybe that's not as good as he can play. But when the lights came on and the moment was at its brightest, he showed up, and he played really good ball. So I think some of that is just like he's kind of a game player than he is a practice player, but I'm impressed. I I think high level, I'm thinking high level backup type where do you like, is this like a a Gardner Minshew situation where it's like that guy go in there and win you a couple games and look at the Colts, like they're a playoff possible team with that guy. And that's kind of what the Bengals are right now. I want to see more. I always want to see more. Football is such a small sample league, especially with injuries. But the most you're getting in a regular season is 17 games. That is – that's not that many games. (laughs) So uh, getting as many as you can. Like we're – it's so matchup week to week too. 
where this defense was way different than any defense they've played. And Pittsburgh's a different defense than Indianapolis and Jacksonville. So they're going to play those guys differently. Kansas City's different than all these teams on defense. And Cleveland is their own beast defensively. Like they have a lot of unique defenses coming. These aren't just like, aha, these are all Fangio staples. So we might be able to attack them all the same way. No, this is a lot of different defenses that they're going to be playing. So I want to see how he does against all these different defenses. I will say the one thing is that his drop back stuff, this past game was very encouraging, especially for, you know, that's the stuff that's hardest for a backup. I think that something I'm noticing now is, well, I talked about this like right after the Pittsburgh game and it feels definitely correct now is this is the first thing. He's so much better on pure progression, just reading left to right than he is about something that Burrow's great at, which is pick a side where Burrow's so good at like, if the coverage is this, I go to this side. If it's this, I go to the other side. Browning's not good at that. But what Browning is good at is, okay, I'm going to read this whole thing like left to right and find the right guy. And even though that's a play that you throw a pick on, that is what they have almost exclusively ran. Now, even when they go empty, they went four by one empty and everything was on that side of the field. So he could just kind of read it out. He didn't have to really figure out the coverage before starting his read. He likes to read and then figure out who's open from the coverage rather than figure out the coverage and then go find the guy. So I think that's one thing. The other thing, he likes to hang on alerts, which is something that I think he does even more than Burrow did. And the two big examples were the one play to Higgins that he dropped and the other one to Charlie Jones that Jones slowed down on. But both of those plays are situations where that receiver 99% of the time again, with most quarterbacks, especially with most backup quarterbacks, isn't getting a chance at that ball because mm-hmm. – you only throw this versus a perfect look type of situation. But Browning kind of goes, eh, if it's there, I'll throw it. Let's <laughs> think of the Jones one. That's a, what, what they call for love of the game route where, you know, your job here, 99% of the time is go get cardio and you're just going to go sprint and go try to take coverage away so that the in route behind you gets open. And, you know, he ran hard. <laughs> And then he kind of slowed down. <laughs> he did slow down. It looked like it, even on the QB school, it looked like it was more on Charlie Jones. Yeah, he really talked about that too. But, you know, that is one of those – Browning is very willing to throw. He's willing to push the ball down the field. And then the last thing was about that, last point about that, is the average yards on one of his throws just through the air, not completed or like, you know, how many yards he actually had, but his average intended air yards – when the Vikings sent pressure at him, it was like 18 yards. So he was just throwing that thing way downfield whenever they sent pressure. Yeah, well, that's uh, the one thing I want to know is uh, Zach Taylor was talking to the media. I want to say it was on Sunday when he had his press conference. He always does the day after the game. And he had said that Joe Burrow, because Joe Burrow wears the headset, that Joe had told him um, he was texting with him that night. And Joe's like, I just, I never know, you know, when to st- when to stop when I'm talking in the headset. I want to know what Joe Burrow is calling in the headset. I want someone to do a story on what is Joe saying? What's going on behind the scenes? Because for Joe Burrow to say that and Zach Taylor's like, look, I'll tell you when to shut up. I'll tell you when, when there, you know, there's too many voices. I want to know what, what, what he's hoping with. Are you noticing anything that's similar to what you see from Joe that you see out there with Jake right now? Oh, the biggest one. This is something I see that's similar with both of them. And this is a great um, sign for Dan Pitcher Mm -hmm. is that both these guys, and I picked this up mostly from the QB school because I am not a quarterback guru, especially mechanically. I don't know everything that's going on there. I didn't play quarterback. But 
uh, JT O'Sullivan talked so much about how his feet were good and his feet were perfect and he always kept a good base. That's also what he says about Burrow. So that makes me go into, aha, so is this a Dan Pitcher thing where a pitcher really gets these guys in great position from their base to be accurate down the field? So that's the biggest thing that I think looks similar between the two. Well, we had talked about it before we, we get into the defense and everything. We had talked about like if this if they could go on a run, that there is a possibility that a guy like Brian Callahan could get interviews somewhere else as a head coach. I think the Cincinnati Bengals have their OC in-house. I think that they would promote Dan Pitcher and you I don't know how much they would skip a beat. And that's nothing against Brian Callahan, but I do think Dan Pitcher is a huge part of this offense too. And just what you're able to see out of the quarterback room right now. Um, I think that's encouraging to know that he's probably in house and um, that's pretty awesome to see overall with the offense and just the quarterback room right now with a guy like Jake Browning. Any other thoughts on Jake Browning before we move on? No. <laughs> All right. Offensive line. I want to get into the offensive line right now. We have talked about it when it comes to guys like Cordell Wilson or Lynn Brown Jr., Alex Kappa, who feels like he's kind of battling an injury a little bit. He went limited today with an ankle injury, and that was something that he he kind of went to the sideline a little bit for in the game on Saturday. Uh, Jonah Williams out there. What are you seeing from this offensive line right now? I think that the offensive line to me was fine a lot of the game. I think there were errors here and there, but in terms of getting to the right spot against that defense, great job. So that's the most difficult task they had in front of them. Uh, great rusher and Daniel Hunter. I thought Daniel Hunter won late a lot, you know, like was able to win, but they were able to stay in front long enough that it didn't affect the play. The big one being, I don't know if he won, but when Browning rolled left, then rolled back and then tried to run back right, Daniel Hunter was the one that just absolutely tattooed him. I think the offensive line was pretty good, though. I, I I think this might have been their worst game with Browning in terms of pass protection, but that's that's a sign of like that the offensive line was very good with Browning in pass protection before this. This was just one of those like B B minus type games, and they've been throwing A's out there. Uh, run game not as good, but that showed up too. <laughs> now they didn't run the ball particularly well, but it wasn't terrible either. It wasn't Pittsburgh bad. And it felt like they weren't going to run the ball when they were down. I mean, it just yep. really wasn't. Game started getting away from them. They had to start throwing the ball. And that's fine. But, um, okay, I want to get to the defensive side of the ball next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. We're back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Flip into the defensive side of the ball. I keep saying it. Look, we, we've talked about this guy in the past. We've talked about both of these guys in the past. And it was a little disappointing on the defensive side of the ball when you look at guys like Jermaine Pratt, and Logan Wilson. What were your takeaways from that game? I thought both of them played really well and helped step up. I think there were plays here and there that weren't great. You could think of the Addison touchdown on Pratt where he maybe could have made a better play on the ball. You could think of some of the plays in the middle of the field that maybe those guys should have closed in on faster, like the third and long that they you know, gave up to Hawkinson, but overall they both made highlight plays as well. Uh, my favorite being the Bengals and we'll probably get into this a bit, but they sent what's called a saw pressure. So they sent pressure from both sides, Mike Hilton, one of those guys and the other um, a linebacker from the other side at the Vikings. The Vikings had a perfect answer. They threw a screen pass out wide and they had two guys blocking for, I believe the, or I think it was two guys out there 
against one corner and that corner got blocked. But Wilson from the middle of the field noticed this and sprinted out so fast that he made the tackle for like one or two yards. And that was such a high level, important play. They started doing a lot of stuff when reader went down in terms of trying to like stunt and twist and move guys around so that they weren't relying on the defensive line to hold blocks as much as they were relying on them to just get a little bit of penetration and open things up for these linebackers and the linebackers made good on it. So I thought both of them played some of their best ball this past week. Staying with the defensive side of the ball, guys like Trey Hendrickson, you Sam Hubbard. I still feel like Trey Hendrickson's going to get 20 sacks on the air. There's three games to go. He's at 15 and a half right now. Really yeah. feels like a possibility. We'll see what that looks like over the next three. Uh, Miles Murphy, we'll start with him. Uh, we've I, I feel like we are Miles Murphy fans on the show. Um, we have been. I feel like we're day one. I was probably number one, yeah. yeah. You were probably number one, and I jumped on board. <laughs> right, um, real quick. It was great. <laughs> Miles Murphy, man, I, this is why you you don't call people a bust after a few games. He's still oh, not man. getting a lot of snaps out there. It's still very low percentage snaps that Miles Murphy's on the field. I love that he's out there more, but a lot of people are giving up. Oh my goodness, I don't like the pick. I think a lot of people forget that a lot of those mock drafts had this guy at ten, top fifteen. Yeah, I think top fifteen like consensus, like everybody was mocking him in the around the top fifteen, and that's why I. I still remember when we came off of the post game show, you were talking about how like people were saying it was a reach. I was like, a reach. You didn't hear about this guy's name because he was picked most of the time in those mock drafts. Yeah. Not because that you didn't hear his name because he's a third rounder. I don't think people, if you would have asked them on draft night, because and, and even outside of the Michael Mayer stuff or or other, you know, possibility of players, if you would have asked them, all right, tell me, tell me a little bit about Miles Murphy. They just wouldn't know. And that's totally fine. I, I think we it's it's the hot names, it's the mock drafts you see going into NFL draft night. And when they picked him, I think a lot of people are like, Oh, okay, if, we'll see what this if, looks like. If they were fans of my writing and they followed they, every word as right. much as I did. Now I will say I didn't predict him, but when I did my predictive mock, he was the first name on the honorable mentions. The only reason I didn't put him as the pick was because mm -hmm. I assumed he would be gone. And they never oh. do that. They never drafted a, a, a D line or anybody on the defense. Oh, like, I thought it, I thought it might have happened. I remember writing an article that was like, uh, you know, here's based off of all their history. Here's are the here are the edge guys that wouldn't be outliers. And Miles Murphy stuck out like a sore thumb in terms of really? everything they like. And then the things he wasn't great at, it was kind of things they kind of hand waved. They're like, yeah, you know, we don't care too much about that. So it stuck out. I just thought, hey, he's probably not going to be there. So I, it was funny. I went Forbes and then Forbes goes like 14 and then Murphy ends up falling there. Yeah, he's that too. Right he, he, he was starting and he got, he got sent to the bench. It's early though. You know, hey, you know, we won't throw his. Right, you're right, you're right. I'm not, I'm not, you know what? He might be. Oh, able but to could you imagine if the Bengals took him and that happened? <laughs> that would be terrible. But I think a lot of people forget what's encouraging about, about Miles Murphy is he's really young. He's a really still, young right? rookie. I think he's still 21 years old. Yeah. That's one of those things where it's like so many people talk about, like, oh, you take your development guys later. You take older development guys later. Like, that's why Yoshivas got taken later. He's a development Wilson. guy. 24 years old, Cordell Volson. He's like 23 years old when they got drafted. Miles Murphy's 21. The reason he's not like a, a savant with his ability to use his hands and moves in the pass rush is because he's so young. If you look at a lot of guys when they were 21, when they were 20 in college, but at 21 as well, they're not 
elite at hand usage, at, no, at having a go-to move when it comes to pass rushing, at being able to execute that stuff. They're mostly athletes out there. Like Will McDonald, I think, was what everybody looked at in terms of like, mm-hmm. oh, that guy's got some moves. That guy was 24. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's just something that's funny when you watch so many prospects and then you pick up the idea of like uh, everybody thinks like, oh, this guy's got a pass rush plan. Go look at his age. Just go, just go peek over. <laughs> like, how old's that guy? Oh, he's got a pass rush play because he's been doing this for three extra years. And you know what? I- I'm going to flip to another player on the team right now. But Miles Murphy, we love what we're seeing. He's awesome. Yeah, he, yeah. he got a sack on Christian Darrisaw. What more can you ask for? A top five-ish left tackle, and he got another pressure against him, um, and also made some good run plays. I mean, I we didn't talk so much about that. We kind of talked about Miles Murphy in general, but in terms of how he played in this game, fantastic. I think it was his best game. That's very encouraging and really exciting. And I'm excited to see what he's been able to do in the next three games. Maybe a postseason game. We'll see what happens. Um, DJ Reader, life without DJ Reader is sad. We already talked yeah. about that part. But DJ Reader is out for the season. No surprise. Unfortunately, it does sound like a little bit of a long road to recovery. Um, I still feel like just maybe because I'm biased and I want DJ Reader back, there is a potential return to Cincinnati that maybe they figure maybe a one-year deal out. We'll see what that looks like. And then he gets paid the, the next year. Um, but, but again, speedy recovery to DJ reader, what's life going to look like and what did life look like the rest of the game without DJ on the field? And it really sounds like they're going in house right now when it comes to his replacement. They tried to go out of house, but they did not have one, to wait. One team, ahead, one team was ahead of them. Uh, and it sucks so much because Tart is a nose tackle. He's a guy that you kind of could plug in there and maybe try to run the same thing, but now life without him, if you're going to stay in house, what you have to do is what they did in this game. So early on in the game, when Reader went down, they kind of threw Tupo and some other guys out there. It's kind of like, let's just run the same thing. You know, maybe it'll work. Didn't work at all. So then they kind of shifted wholesale change in terms of what they normally like to do is play the run first, play the block in front of you and beat that, you know, like hold your gaps type of situation. And they switch to kind of let's get, let's get penetration. Let's move stuff around. Let's let's challenge, you know, the offensive line's communication more than their technical and ability and skill. So they start spiking their ends where the end is going to cross the tackle's face and go inside and they're going to loop a linebacker around him. They did that a few times. They ran what I already talked about, the saw pressures. They ran quite a few of those. Whenever you see Mike Hilton make a TFL, it's probably a saw pressure. <laughs> Although he had a, a he was that linebacker on a play and he had a clean run through. That made I don't know if it's a TFL or just a run stop, but another great play. Mike Hilton was incredible in this game. I think he was the best defensive player, but we'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. Um, they play fast now. They they're going to try to be one of those teams that's going to move, use a lot of movement, use some blitzes, use some pressure stunts, etc. Just get confusing and play fast and get penetration to stop the run, rather than what they're doing before, which is kind of like hold point, make the tackle, and what that's great for are TFLs like big splash plays in the run game and making some of these stops. And what it's bad for is a defense that was already given up a lot of explosive plays. You're kind of more susceptible to it. And you, it showed up a few times. Logan Wilson ran through, didn't make the tackle. And then Dax Hill gets sealed inside. DJ turns the last guy left outside and Ty Chandler beats him. Well, now that guy's going, he's, he's going. And there are a few plays like that where, that was just an example. It's not like DJ Turner is at fault for any explosive run play. I'm saying it's just, you know, there's a few examples of they're getting downhill so fast that if, you know, the running back gets behind those guys or around those guys, he's kind of off to the races 
rather than having a lot of guys there swarm and still make up for that. Yeah, so we'll see what happens without DJ Reader. It's obviously still going to be a loss for a defense that hasn't yeah. lived up to its potential. But I, at times over the last few weeks, I, I felt a little bit better about it. And again, there's three three games left of the season. We don't know what postseason looks like, but I'm I'm hoping they're able to kind of piece it together and pull it together. The good news is Cam Taylor Britt, um, after Pittsburgh, there's a chance that he could return on the defensive side. But I want to go to Mike Hilton because Mike Hilton, it, it's I, how would you assess Mike Hilton's 2023 season overall? Uh so I thought early on he wasn't making the plays that he normally makes. Yeah. And then as the season went on, I thought he was getting better. And then you look at this past week was his best week. And he did it from so many different roles where they've put him at that safety spot a few times. He got a pick from the safety spot. That wasn't from his corner spot. He made a, a tackle for a loss or a run stop from a linebacker spot. And then they blitzed him more than usual once Reader went down. And he also ran with Jefferson on a play where he was – kind of soloed up on him but then he got some help from hill over the top it was just great this game i thought this was you know kind of his best game and it kind of went under the radar a little bit uh i think the season overall maybe you still have a lot of that early season thought and you're like mm, not as good as i thought and i think you could still think that way just in terms of consistency but i do think he has in the past i don't know how many weeks but you know the for a while now, it it's felt like Mike Hilton's kind of settled back into being Mike Hilton. Mm -hmm. And they need that. They really need that when you look at the defensive side of the ball. Um, I, I feel like we've talked about DJ Turner, and it could be a little bit of the rookie growing pains, and sometimes it feels like they do go at him for some of these plays that we're seeing, or it's like, oh, that was DJ Turner on the other side of it. I do feel like it's going to be a difference when they get Cam Taylor Britt back out there. But when we one guy we haven't talked about is Cheeto over the last few weeks. How did Cheeto yeah. look on Saturday? Thought he looked good, and he's done good the past few weeks. Um, I thought he kind of hung with his matchup. He was on Jefferson a bit, and he got a lot of help in that situation. But I think he did his job for the most part, and he was a good he was a good player on the defense. I think that's a, a good point because he's been good the past few weeks. I think it, it's starting to look like he's recovered from that knee injury, which we talked a ton about in terms of like, don't get too on him about mm -hmm. early on the year. And then it started getting to that point where you're like week nine, week 10, he's still not looking the same. You're like, maybe it's not going to happen, but then it happens. And you're like, okay, cool. You know, like he is starting to look more healthy and I'm glad he's gotten the opportunity too. So that, I mean, the Bengals probably aren't going to keep him around, mm -hmm. but now, you know, I'd just be glad that he can go get a payday somewhere else because if all he did was struggle a little bit early on, then get put on ice, that might take away his opportunity. And the and the biggest thing there is credit to the Bengals too because they didn't fully put him back out there and they were kind of just splitting things up. And then you could tell early on, it's like, oh man, he's still coming back from that injury. He's still coming back from that injury. And I'm sure it's really difficult to come back when you are a corner in the NFL and it's an ACL injury, but he was able to, to finally get back out there at hundred percent. And it's really awesome to see for Cheeto because again, rooting for him to get paid this offseason. I don't think it's going to be in Cincinnati. I think they're going to stick with Cam Taylor, Britt, DJ Turner out there. Um, and, and we'll see what the future holds for the rest of the defense. But um, overall, when you look at other guys on the defensive side of the ball, is there anybody else you want to point out from, from the reveal? Uh, BJ Hill obviously had the interception. The big, but was, mm -hmm. if it wasn't an interception, it was going to be a sack or a fumble recovery strip sack. Um, oh man, we hit on a lot of guys. 
I think, yeah, I, I think that's it. I think, I think that's okay. And then uh, if I miss somebody, hopefully they show up next week so I can hit on. Them. Yeah. You know, Sam Hubbard, a guy that we haven't heard from in a while. So maybe, maybe Sam Hubbard. Big Hubbard game coming, hopefully. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a big game coming on Saturday, huge game versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Cincinnati Bengals are looking for their first win in the AFC North this season, which is crazy to think that if somebody would have told you this, let, let's tell you right now, it is December 19th when we're recording this. This team is going to be without Joe Burrow for uh, right now. It's four games. It's going to be three more in regular season. Jamar Chase to be determined if he returns for Pittsburgh or if he comes back for Kansas City. We do not know the timeline. Going to be without DJ Reader. Uh, Cam Taylor Britt's going to miss some games. T. Higgins going to miss some games. They have yet to win a game in their own division. But I'm going to tell you right now, they're currently in the playoff picture. Would you believe them? No. It's insane. <laughs> it is absolutely insane. And I know we've we've kind of given Zach his credit and and where it's due. But um, for him to get these guys up for for these games, and honestly, I, I I'm extremely bummed they they are without DJ Reader. But I also I'm just not counting them out yet. I'm not just what they've been able to do, which felt like nine lives this season. I won't be surprised if they find a way to get in the postseason and maybe even win a playoff game. Yeah, hopefully that'd be awesome. (laughs) We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. They got to get in first. And I'm not thinking of any of the scenarios right now, but it is one week at a time for them. And like Zach Taylor said, it's crazy to think those three wins came in 12 days. This is the first time that they've had an absolute full week to have practice, even though it's still a little odd because they had the Saturday game and they'll play on Saturday and then they'll actually get that extra day of rest before they play the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, but yeah, I- I'll say it's fun right now. And that's all you can really ask for when you lose your franchise quarterback and, and think the season's over in November to have life right now. We were we were we were draft people for a little bit, and I'm glad we we're were. Not. We were. I want to say going into that pitch. You were already game, team neighbors. I was just looking, I was just glancing through some guys like, oh, there's a lot of guys out here, huh? And well, I'm now like, they're yeah. saying Marvin Harrison Jr. might fall to the middle of the round. So I'm like, ooh, maybe let's see what happens. Who, not, who was not, saying that? That will not happen. It was some silly account that shouldn't even be on the NFL. Like, it's an NFL account. It's absolutely silly. But I was like, let it happen. Let it happen. Um, but, yeah, no. For pers- we, I, I will fully admit when Joe Burrow went down, gas mask situation i was grieving i was grieving for uh probably about a week or two especially because uh and i think what really uh set it off was that they looked really bad against the steelers and we'll get into like how this game might go later but that's kind of set it off like yeah yeah they're gonna be bad okay let's move on and now they've been good though now they've been really exciting and good and fun to watch yeah, so we'll see what happens. I'm I'm hoping they can keep the win streak alive. And, um, you know, it's one week at a time for them. You have all Bengals, great pieces every week. What is up there right now? Uh, so I was going to do a Browning, not article, but something that he's – some of the concepts they've liked getting to, and I might still do that. But then there are so many, like, high-level thought process, like backup, you know, four more NFL quarterbacks that went into Browning. I'm like, maybe I should pivot because there's some better stuff than me out there on these guys. But we'll see. I'm not 100% sure yet. It's a surprise to everybody. You could always just say Jake Browning and then post the QB school link. And people could go there yeah, and they can see the yeah. breakdown. No, you always have really great stuff. Um, the Miles Murphy, um, mm-hmm. anything from going into regular season, preseason, and, and all throughout the Bolson season. Bolson last week, sure. Bolson. Be something. Man, there's some freezing cold takes of my Bolson tweets out there. Yeah. Um, people can find them. You can find them. Call me out. 
I hope I am completely wrong about the future of Cordell Wilson at left guard. I hope yeah. he is the left guard and he's solid going into 2024 too. So um, good for him to bounce back. And um, it's fun to see on your offensive line right now. We'll see what happens when they play the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll have a podcast later this week. Make sure you're checking out Mike's work over on all Bengals. Follow him over on Twitter, Bengals underscore Sands. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. Thank you for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.